0: Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. These are coming from the TDIHC vault, so you'll also hear two hosts. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's December 19th. A Christmas Carol was published by Chapman and Hall on this day in 1843. It's really likely that you have heard this story. Ebenezer Scrooge, a cruel and stingy man, is mean to his employees and everyone else around him. And on Christmas Eve, he's visited by the ghost of his former partner, Jacob Marley, followed by the spirits of Christmas past, present and future. It was written, of course, by Charles Dickens, and it's become a Christmas classic. And right from the beginning, when it was published, it was an instant blockbuster. Dickens got the idea for this in the spring of that year, after he read a report on child labor At this point, child labor was extremely common. Increased urbanization and industrialization in the 19th century had led to children working in factories, often working incredibly long hours in dangerous and inhumane conditions, often with things like rules that seemed draconian and just cruel. There were assembly lines, hauling coal, dipping matches— A lot of these working children were even housed above the factory in dormitories, so their work was basically their whole lives. And for people who were poor and could not find work, there were workhouses, and they had appalling conditions. Going to a workhouse was actually required by law under the Poor Law of 1834. If you were poor and had no work and couldn't support yourself, you had to go to the poorhouse. But intentionally, the poorhouses were so awful, no one wanted to go there. At first, Dickens had planned to write a pamphlet that was going to be called An Appeal to the People of England on Behalf of the Poor Man's Child. And like its name suggests, this was going to be a pamphlet about the horrors of poverty and child labor. But soon he decided that a work of fiction might be more effective, and he wrote that work of fiction over just a couple of months in the fall of 1843. The big moral of this story was that it was up to employers to treat and pay their employees well. On a more practical level than this benevolent goal of encouraging people to be more generous toward the poor, Dickens also needed to pay his own bills, particularly after spending a lot of money on a tour of the United States the year before. So he wrote a story that he thought would sell. And it did. The first print run of A Christmas Carol was 6,000 copies, and it was sold out in a week. By the next year, there were 15,000 copies in print. Although Dickens didn't actually earn as much money off of it as he wanted to, A lot of this was really of his own making. It was at his request that they had used very fancy gilded bindings with the book itself full of etchings and woodcuts, which were very expensive. He wanted this book to be beautiful, and it was, but it was also expensive. And he even ordered last-minute changes to the title page and the end pages because the first ones didn't measure up to what he wanted. He had hoped to make a 1,000 pounds off of this book, and instead his first payment was for 137 pounds. Even though he didn't make nearly as much money as he wanted, though, he was really, really happy with how well this book sold and with how much of an impact it seemed to make in people's humanitarian perspective on the issue of poverty and child labor. Today, there are so many adaptations of this work, and that started pretty much immediately. People were writing plays that were based on a Christmas carol right from the very beginning. Today, there are plays and movies and TV shows and the musical Scrooge. It goes on and on and on. It's hard to get through a Christmas season without being reminded of it somewhere. Thanks very much to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on today's show. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. And to Casey for being so gracious that he never corrected me when I pronounced his name the way my high school health teacher did instead of the way he does. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for the first in a series of
0: exits. Hi everyone, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we dust off a little piece of history and place it ever so gently on your brain shelf every day. The day was December 19th, 1946. The First Indochina War began. By the late 19th century, France controlled Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, The grouping was collectively known as French Indochina. French imperialism at the time spanned Asia, Africa, the Caribbean, and the Pacific. As with other French colonial territories, French Indochina involved the heavy exploitation of people and resources to France's benefit. In Vietnam, the French administration imposed all sorts of social and political changes on people. Trade in products like opium, salt, rice wine, and tea were lucrative, but economic progress only benefited the French and a small group of wealthy elites. The French also instituted a new extensive taxation system. And while there were some improvements in education in Vietnamese cities, the children of peasant farmers did not see that benefit, and much of the population remained illiterate. Plus, the French often pushed propaganda about its culture in schools. Traditional buildings were destroyed. Land ownership was concentrated in the hands of a small class of landlords, while a land-owning middle class of indigenous Vietnamese people was non-existent. And the Vietnamese bureaucracy lacked real power, while French authorities exercised extensive power. Those are just some of the ways French rule disadvantaged and harmed locals. But the Vietnamese did resist France's tyrannical rule, Anti-colonial and nationalist resistance movements popped up in Vietnam. Leaders and supporters of these movements called for Vietnamese independence. Ideas of resistance morphed over time, with sentiment geared toward the old imperial order at first, and later toward new ideas that embraced Western values. After World War I, resistance kicked into high gear, but revolutionary efforts to oust the French were unsuccessful. Then came World War II. In 1940, the Japanese invaded French Indochina and collaborated with officials who were loyal to France's Vichy regime. But resistance leader and communist Ho Chi Minh and the Indochinese Communist Party had succeeded in uniting Vietnamese folks in the fight against French authority before. Ho Chi Minh and the Communist Party organized the Viet Minh, a nationalist alliance that called for an end to Japanese occupation and for Vietnam's independence from France. After the Japanese formally surrendered to the Allies in September of 1945, the Viet Minh proclaimed Vietnam's independence as the Democratic Republic of Vietnam, and Ho Chi Minh assumed power. The French and Ho Chi Minh reached an agreement in March of 1946, but negotiations weren't practical, and fighting escalated as Chinese and British troops supported the re-establishment of French colonial rule. French forces took Southern Vietnam, and in November, French naval vessels bombarded the northern port city of Haiphong and killed thousands of people. The Viet Minh responded by attacking the French in Haiphong and Hanoi. The Viet Minh's attack against the French at Hanoi marked the start of the First Indochina War. For the next eight years, the Viet Minh remained engaged in guerrilla war against the French. Finally, in May of 1954, the war ended when the French suffered a major defeat at Dien Bien Phu. At the 1954 Geneva Conference, Vietnam was split into the Viet Minh-controlled North Vietnam and France's South Vietnam. Though that conflict had come to an end, political struggles in Vietnam continued as the Vietnam War ensued. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there's something I missed in the show today, you can let us know at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also shoot us an email at iheartmedia.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We'll see you again tomorrow with another one.